Need a website for your business, but not looking to break the bank for one? I've got you covered. Hi, it's me, Ashley M. Lyle, founder and CEO of Blacken and host of the Black Queens on Stage podcast. And yes, I also have a website business, Sites by Lyle. I can create a dynamic website for your business that will showcase your work, wow potential clients, and close more sales. So contact me on my Instagram at Sites by Lyle to schedule your free 30-minute evaluation so we can get you started on your new website. Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Thank you for listening to the season finale episode of Black Queens on Stage podcast. I'm so grateful to my listeners supporting this series and to all my guests. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thank you to everyone. A quick disclaimer about this episode specifically. There are four, not three, Black women-owned theaters in Michigan that I am aware of. Face Off Theater, which is in this episode, Shakespeare in Detroit, Detroit Lighthouse Community Theater, and Ebony Road Players. At the time of this recording, I wasn't aware of Ebony Road Players, so I wanted to make sure to correct that. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racial issues within Michigan performing venues. My name is Ashley M. Lyle, and today I am joined by one of the only three Black women theater owners and artistic directors in the state of Michigan, artistic director of Face Off Theater in Kalamazoo, Marissa Harrington. How are you today, Marissa? I am awesome. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on here because I definitely want to make sure that I'm reaching out, not just in the southeast part of Michigan, which is where I am, but, you know, all across Michigan. And I made sure to, as I was creating my organization, to try to find out where and who the artists are across the state of Michigan. And then I came across uh, the Black Cultural and Arts um, uh, Museum or... Center. It's a uh, Arts and Cultural Center. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of Kalamazoo. And then I saw that they had their own theater. They saw <laughs> theater. And I'm like, this is absolutely perfect. <laughs> so... I was way too excited. So then I started doing some investigating and saw that this theater was owned by a black woman. And I, I just, I, you know, I had one of, one of those moments where, uh, you know, like on Maury's show where you just, where the guests jump up off the stage and then oh, run yeah. to the back, run all the way around. Mm-hmm. Run around, screaming with your, with your arms waving over your head. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was just too excited. Too Love excited. It. Well, it is an um, honor. It really, really is. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. Let's get started, shall we? Cool. Yes. So describe your style of acting. Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so um <laughs> I have been acting for oh god, I hate saying this out loud because it reminds me how old I am, but 25 years. And, um, 
you know, originally my mom put me in acting class because uh, I had a really low self-esteem in middle school and um, single parent household, you know, poor, like I, I just, I was a little lost. Um, and, you know, she was like, I need to put this girl on something. She needs to channel whatever she got going on. Uh, so this was in Los Angeles. So my mom put me in a black owned acting school okay. in South Central Los Angeles. And it was through that training that I realized that I could use acting as therapy. Mm-hmm. So I, from the very beginning, was always very in touch with how to channel my emotions with whatever character I was working on. Because for me, truly, that that was how I was working through stuff. So it is a very visceral way to act. And it wasn't until I attended Western and, and got some some formal training that, you know, I, I learned how to do that in a, a healthy way. <laughs> um, so you, you actually mm-hmm. learn technique. I'm also a dancer. I'm a mover. So when I attended Western, I learned how to use voice and movement and, and couple that with this kind of like visceral style of acting that I've always been doing to channel characters, to channel emotions of the characters. So then at that point, I'm taking myself out of it and, you know, all my trauma. I'm more disassociated, basically. Like it's still it's still authentic. It's still, you know, raw emotion, but it's not anything that's going to take me three weeks to recover from after the show mm-hmm. is over, you know, mm-hmm. because as black women, I mean, it, I mean, trauma, trauma every day, all day. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah. so a lot of us use our art to to work that stuff out, which is not a bad thing. But then again, like I said, you know, you got to figure out how to do it in a healthy way. So I use certain techniques later on in my training with voice and movement and, you know, Michael Chekhov and just just wanting to physicalize um the feelings and the emotions of the character rather than going this one time when I was like 16, I had this really traumatic experience and I'm a channel that, yeah, that's not healthy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) So being one of the only three black women theater owners and artistic directors in Michigan, who or what inspired you to open your own theater? Ooh, that's a good question. I would probably say, you know, it's not, it hasn't been until later, later on in life that I, I real, I've realized that my introduction to acting was a, a black owned acting school for kids owned by a black woman. So that was my introduction. It was normal to me. It was normal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is what we do. Right. So there weren't any, any barriers or anything that I had to overcome. It was just very, it made sense to me. You know, I founded the theater company with five other of my Western Michigan University alum sisters, um, all Black women, all educated. And we honestly started the theater company here because there were those of us that were not, after graduation, going to New York and, and Chicago and L.A. and touring. You know, I, I had a family. I was married with kids. And, you know, the rest of us all had our own stories and own reasons for staying in Kalamazoo. And so then you look at look out at the landscape of Kalamazoo Theater. And for us being a small town, I mean, we have tons of theater here. Unfortunately, we don't have tons of theater for us. 
exactly. um, as people of color. And then when you break it down even more, you know, black women, we're, we're, we're pigeonholed um, into only playing certain characters. So then I'm really looking like, well, so I'm just not going to be able to do theater here because I'm choosing to stay mm-hmm. here and raise my family. That didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with the rest of us. And so we decided to start a theater company, honestly, out of the need of wanting to continue to create after graduation. You know, I'm I'm educated. I have a degree, you know, where I studied long and hard hours, you know, had to prove myself, had to do all the things, right? Every other woman in in our cohort that started this company, you know, we have master's degrees, someone working on a PhD. I mean, like, you know, we are more than qualified. But to then mm-hmm. be thrust into a theater scene here where a, there's no opportunities or the opportunity is once a year for that one black role, just like undergrad, which is irritating. Mm-hmm. But I'll even go further than that and say that you have experienced directors in the theater company and nobody ever calls me to, that's not true. I have been called to direct. I have I have had the pleasure of being able to direct consistently since undergrad. I will say that there are certain institutions here that I've never gotten a call from mm. to, to, to direct anything. And hearing that the reason for that is because they don't know any Black direct. This town mm. is too small for you to not know that we're right across the street or down the street. Exactly. Um, and experienced exactly. and trained. Like literally trained. Like, you know, like took classes and directing and had just trained. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, uh, more so than the other people that you're hiring to direct at community theater. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. So, you know, I'm not going to sit around and wait for opportunities for you to call me when you when you feel when it's convenient or, you know, when you feel like, uh, oh, we're doing our black show now. Our, our one time a year or once every two years, which is what it used to be, our once every mm-hmm. two year season, you know, where we, where we have the black show. I'm not going to sit around and wait. For, for, for that. Right. It's insulting. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, just clarify for me, Face Off is a professional theater. That is a good question, too. So I, I like to say that we are a professional community theater. I like to say that. Okay. And, and the reason okay. for that is because of the fact that we're all trained. You know, we all know what we're doing. We're working in actual technique, but we mm-hmm. are not, you know, we're not equity. Um, and up mm-hmm. until recently, you know, we haven't had the budget to compensate anyone, you know, for their time. And even what I'm doing now is is trying to get funding so that, you know, I can at least give some stipends to actors because gotcha. um, I think it's really important, you know, to pay artists and um, pay people for their time. You know, it's just unfortunate when, you know, if you don't have a budget to do that, <laughs> it's very difficult right. to. Yeah. So I like to say, you know, quality of productions and how we run our shows and how we run our company is professional. But, you know, we would be classified right now as a community theater. Okay. Okay. So tell me what the rehearsal process looks like before a show. So I, I slash we structure our rehearsals based on, you know, how we learned to do it in school. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a regular uh, six to eight week process. You do auditions, you know, you do formal, formal auditions. People have to come with monologues. They do readings. Um, we, you know, we have a stage management and, and production management team that oversees that. I mean, we really try and, and model 
the the professional way to do things um, in terms of how how we run the company. So, you know, our first it's very important to us, you know, to do like a, a dramaturgy presentation that first couple of days that the actors are together um, so mm-hmm. that they because of the work that we do, there's always going to be some sort of historical reference or uh, you need to know the background of X, Y, Z. Um, or even let's learn about this black playwright so you guys understand where they were coming. I mean, you know, it's very important for us to not just jump into the work, but also it's like at our table reads to have our, our in-house um, dramaturg to, you know, really go into depth about the piece, the characters, the playwright, um, and anything else that is relevant. And, you know, we'll do a couple of table reads and then I jump in, especially if I'm directing, you know, I jump in with wanting to to block the show that first week, week and a half so that we have the rest of the time to to play and to, to find things and to fine tune. So, you know, our rehearsal process is, is pretty, I don't want to say uh, strict, or stringent, but we do follow a, a structure. You know, our stage managers do rehearsal reports. <laughs> we just recently, though, you know, we've always been working with like, you know, how we got to work with nothing all the time. You know, we got to pull like, you know, and I say us, we black folk, we have to, we have to work with with a whole, we have to do a whole lot with a whole little, right? So I, I just mm-hmm. now, we've been around for like five years and I'm just now having like a costume person right (laughs) um okay so you know our our process has been you know let's follow what we know of professional theater and let's follow what we know about making sure that things are are structured but you know I'm 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 also working with volunteers I'm a volunteer you know Right. But directors have prompt books. Um, I mean, we, we really do our best to, to make sure that we are incorporating our training into every production. Mm-hmm. Impressive. And I mean, that that's fantastic, too, because while, while you guys are working from a community theater level, you're definitely, you know, performing at a professional level. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's that's honestly really refreshing to know that, yep. you know. I honestly wish that a lot of commu- a lot more community theaters operated in that way. Yeah, it's it, and it, and I have over the years we have adopted. You know, when we first first started, it was rough that first couple of years because you know it started out as like an idea. We were all passionate, you know, and all black women, all like strong personalities. And going, mm-hmm. okay, we just want to do the work. We just want to do the work. Yeah. And then we sit back and go, but wait, okay, y'all. So uh, we actually need to um, have a rehearsal schedule. And, right. uh, you know, it just we it took us a year or two to find our footing and mm-hmm. come out of being a passion project and in, and striving toward, no, we, we, we are Black. We are women, and unfortunately, we we have to do better than everyone else. We have to mm-hmm. hold ourselves to, or no, I hold ourselves to, and other people hold us to a higher standard. Now, whether that's fair or not, that's a totally different conversation. But mm-hmm. we are very aware of that, that we don't want to just be putting up junk. 
We want the acting to be quality. We want the directing to be quality. We want our rehearsal process to be quality. We're very aware that we can't do what other people do. Right. And so it took us a couple of years to, you know, start building our systems and, and really making sure that we were working in excellence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the hard part in regards to theater or any type of art form. You know, where we we as Black people, particularly Black women, where we have to make sure that our art is of the highest echelon. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And in the meantime, you're going to, you know, I'm not going to name any names. I'm just going in general say, because I know that we can all relate to this. And then you go to some theater where, you know, if whether professional or community, that is very highly regarded and you go sit and you see a show and go um okay so this is <laughs> right this is what we consider quality where mediocrity is celebrated yes <laughs> yes <laughs> where you just sitting in the audience going um so y'all have what was y'all budget because i don't be having no budget and can do better right. than this do you know what i'm saying and it's not even you know yeah. it's not to talk down about but it's just you know it's not fair to me that we do mm-hmm. have to make sure that whatever we do is quality or we're gonna get torn apart we're gonna get ripped apart simply because we are black women women doing this yeah it's not fair no it's not it's really not and and the good thing about it is i don't know if you got the chance to catch um the my black actor conference series my my friend dan he he helped me out a lot with this conference and right now we're still working closely together Mm -hmm. to continue our message of bringing michigan theater in into an anti-racist mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. in its history. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I love what he says is he says, you know, we're, we're actors too. So give us the chance to suck. Mm, that's good. <laughs> give us the chance to suck, find out what we did wrong or find out what we can improve upon and then let us be us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't hold us to a higher standard than you hold your damn selves. Exactly. It's freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. I mean, I we have, I, I'm not going to lie, you know, not not just from, you know, fellow theaters around town, but other other artists, other, you know, sad to say, other black artists in our, in our younger years, where it, it was just kind of this whole like, well, I'm not going to work with them because they're unprofessional or I'm not going to work with them. Da, 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 da. Right. Like we have to have all our mm-hmm. stuff together to be regarded as legit mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah. what I, you know, I've worked at a lot of other theaters in town or with a lot of other theaters in town. I know how they all run. Mm-hmm. So I've seen some stuff from some other theaters, but you don't see them being picked apart right? as unprofessional. Right. I feel like that word unprofessional is always thrown at black folks and black women specifically at any given yeah. moment. Oh, you're unprofessional. I'm sorry, where? How? 
what am right. what am I doing? That's not, you know what I mean? So it's just mm-hmm. that, that full transparency in our whole five, five and a half years of existence has been the most frustrating, the lack of support, the lack of regard as a legitimate theater company, the lack mm-hmm. of acknowledgement that mofos over here actually know what they're doing. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. So Tell me what your audience looks like. Do you do you particularly see more men, more women, black, white? We're um I'm actually very proud to say that in my opinion in our area, we have the most diverse group of audience attendees. That's great. All ages, sexual orientations, you know, race, ethnicity. I mean, we see the gamut. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's because our our work is based in activism, is based in community discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it attracts the community, like the real, like the real community. You know, when, when right. you walk into a face-off theater company show, you see Kalamazoo represented. You don't mm-hmm. see parts of Kalamazoo represented. So, you know, we it's not just all black audiences it's not just all white audiences it's not just all young folk it's not just all older folk it's it's literally everybody and we are very proud of that very very proud of that you know we provide theater for our community we do provide theater for the black community the stories that we are telling are black stories we are right but guess who else needs to hear black stories (laughs) right other folks other folks Yeah. You need to see what this black experience is like. And it's not, you know, not all trauma porn. You know, it's not all, you know what I'm saying? It's like real people dealing with real stuff, real stories, right? It's not all, you know, oh yeah, let's go see something that's going to reinforce to us the stereotypes that we have already about the black community. That's not, that's Mm -hmm. not the work that sometimes, but you know, again, I think there's a place for that. I'm just saying that that's not all you see. Do you see the struggle sometimes? Absolutely. Do you see, you know, pain? Absolutely. But you also see pleasure. You also see comedy. You also see music. You also see just what makes our culture, in my opinion, special. You see that. And there are people that are coming to our shows that are seeing that stuff for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you keep the audience engaged for uh, each each performance? Is, do, and also, do you, do you ever notice like any different energy shifts between who's in your audience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say it's based on the show and it's based on, like you said, who's there. So, you know, our, our canon has been very diverse. You know, we've done gospel musicals and then we did Dreamgirls in 2016 but then we did, you know, we do some Susan Laurie Parks. <laughs> mm-hmm. We did a lot of Dominique Moore. So nice. So, you know, what I hate to say that, like, we want to make people uncomfortable. That's not the intent. The intent is not for our content to make people uncomfortable. But the intent is to shake people up so that they can mm-hmm. be right and prime. After every single show, we have a community discussion. We have a talk back after every single show. Every single night, mm-hmm. every single show, okay? So... We do produce shows that we think are going to get people talking. Mm -hmm. And yes, we have had some tense community discussions 
Um, mm. We have had people get all up in their feelings. And I'm fine with that. Because what I don't want, I don't want you to just come see a show, go go to the bar and have some drinks or go go home and, you know, have, have some hot chocolate or whatever, and then completely immediately forget about what you just saw. I don't want that. You know, right. I want you to leave changed. Okay. So, you know, we are very intentional about what we do and what we produce, even with the gospel musicals, which, you know, we in the very beginning were like, we're not doing musicals, you know. We're real actors. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, and then after I did Dream Girls in 2016, I was really like, I ain't doing no more musicals. Bump this. This is too much. <laughs> but you know, we all had I to I mean though you did you did Dream Girls. I, Come uh, on. Man, that's a hard show to produce. You wanna know why people don't produce that show? It's hard. It's too hard. hard. It's, it's you. You gotta definitely have the money for yeah, it. That's music, one. Musically is hard. Yeah, because you you gotta you have you cannot costumes. have costumes. That's what killed me. I was like, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. So in this one scene, we're in a totally different decade and city, and then like two seconds later, I gotta switch the decade and be on the other side of the country with like yep. thirty seconds of it. Okay. That's why it was a movie. That what that should have been a movie. <laughs> Producing that as a play. <laughs> like anyway. So that's and my rant. Scene changes. Oh, it's ridiculous. Okay, so that's my rant about Dream Girls. Um, <laughs> it's just too much. So after Dream Girls, I was traumatized. I was like, we ain't doing no more musicals. I'm not gonna do it. Right. <laughs> and then you know you grow up as an artist, and then you go, okay, I see a place. I see where, you know, especially with trying to get the black community specifically to come out to the theater. Like mm -hmm. I want my people in the theater, which means that we right. gotta do, we got to, we gotta have at least that one slot in the year where it's a play with music. We have to, cause we want right. them here. We want them in the building. So, you know, I had to suck it up and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. So for the past couple of years, we've been producing what I like. I don't like to call them musicals because I don't think that they really, I don't think that's what they are. They're plays with music. Mm -hmm. Right. But they, they have a story that's always important to us. Like, what is the story? What is the story we're trying to tell mm -hmm. at this time in the community, Right. So, you know, we did Mahalia mm. uh, a couple of years ago. This year we did Crowns, right? Okay. And Crowns is about the hat culture in the Black community, which a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people don't know that there is a You said hat? hat? The hat culture, the Southern, you know, like the Southern hat culture. No, it's not even just Southern. Like the the crowns, the women wearing the hats to church. The church And hats. what it means. What does that mean? Why uh -huh. do we do it? Right. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they're interesting. Yeah. There's story there and there's lessons to be learned. And, and if I, I'm saying, okay, that's fine. Let's, let's do a, a play with some music. It, it, it has to really be something <laughs> with some substance. Cause otherwise right. I'm not just going to do it to do it. I'm just not. What we right. also don't like to do is like take a and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. It's just not our mission is to take a play that has historically been like a white 
play and produce it mm-hmm. with all black people, that's not really our mission. That's not what we do. Okay. Because there's so much, there's so much work that is not produced by black writers, black playwrights, black musicians, right? There's so much work that's right. not, pre- we have thousands of things. If you go all the way back in black history, the history of black theater, there's so much work that's not produced. People don't know about. Mm-hmm. I I would rather focus our energies on that and lifting up those mm-hmm. voices and lifting up those stories and going, let's, let's do Shakespeare, but like a black version of the, no, like, okay. Other people are doing that. We don't need to do that. <laughs> Let's do guys and dogs with black folks. No, I don't know. Right. Right. That's just not we've seen, what we we've do. seen it and it's We've just, seen it. Right. right? Yeah. We don't we've need to it. do that. Like can we can we show do people know about the Dutchman? Does anybody know about that play? <laughs> I sure don't. You know what I'm saying? So like let's produce mm-hmm. stuff that people have not seen, don't know about, has been in the black theater canon for years. Mm-hmm. Blues and I Mr. agree Charlie, with you. you know yeah yeah I agree with you like a thousand times infinity percent on that and one of the things that but that I that I also talked about was uh incorporating black actors in these white created shows mm-hmm. but not not all of not all of them right like, like guys and dolls or right. or little shop of horrors <gasps> we've seen that yes but what I would love to see personally, and I've said this before and I'll, and I'll be doomed to repeat it again, is that I would personally love to see an all black production of Next to Normal. Mm, okay, I, I, I can feel you on it. I can feel, mm-hmm. I can feel, but that's also a newer play. That's yeah. not something that has been produced thousands of times. High school. Are you sure? Ele- <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's that, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying, like you know, there's right. there's all these shows that have been around for years and years and years and years and years and years, and that have been overly produced at every single level, Broadway all the way down to like you know middle school. I don't, I'm not right. interested in those shows. But yeah, I agree. Like you know, a play that 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 play from that from our lens, um, mm-hmm. with our voice on it would be super interesting. Yeah. I, and I got in and uh, during the the Black Actor Conference, I got into depth about it where and, and I know that I hate saying this because all of a sudden I'm going to see a whole slew of these white theater establishments doing it with an all black cast because they all have they all have this bad habit of doing mm-hmm. the same shows mm-hmm. like one month after each other. Uh-huh. But why are we not paying attention? <laughs> Pay attention. And, and why don't we pick right. our shows, you know, the theater community in general we just need to grow right because like i cannot tell you how many times i have seen mama mia mm. by 13 or 14 different theaters all one year. month after each other freaking ridiculous in the same season can we do nobody needs to see mama mia based on like what's going on in the world or right. like can i mean it what's the rhyme and reason between the choosing you know that right. you know what circulates mama mia um oklahoma greece uh <sighs> shrek what's now i and i i'm i'm a i'm a huge musical theater fan yep huge huge musical theater fan and surprisingly enough next to normal is not one of my favorite musicals hmm. interesting okay it, yeah, it's not. 
But I respect the show highly because of the message that it has. And I think with the message that Next to Normal has, you know, it it stands to constantly be not repeated, but portrayed Mm -hmm. amongst the mass because mental illness is still stigmatized. Yes, it is. You know, and then it's even worse within the Black community. Because we we get yeah. we still have our you know we have our elders that still say just pray about it it'll go uh, away no you yes, know yes so yes. with having a show like Next to Normal where this woman is breaking down and you know her daughter doesn't know what to do she's going through something her husband's going through something I mean shit. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is there anything, Mm -hmm. though, in the Black canon that has that same type of thing? As far as I know, I don't know. Because I would say, I would say that anything, in my opinion, anything Mm -hmm. August Wilson could touch on those topics. Mm. I would also say that depending on how how you read it for color girls definitely mm. in my opinion <laughs> yeah touches on mental illness are you kidding yeah you're absolutely right about that so you know I, and i think that as as an artistic director when i'm helping the company shape these conversations about what our seasons should look like even like looking for plays you know as a whole company we we all research we will research plays that have been done or not been done and all come together and have full conversation like a full conversation we we pull it we survey each other I mean this is whole thing because it's very Mm -hmm. important to us to have to be putting out relevant work and our our dramaturg is also kind of like our season she's the one that like helps direct the conversation about the season and you know, giving her own insight and input into that. But like going, okay, we want to do a show that addresses mental illness. What is in the Mm -hmm. Black canon? You know, challenging ourselves to find it. We want to do a show about Black people in the military. I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt. But you know what I mean? Like, find it, right? There's there's a show out there about Black police officers. Mm. And and what does that look like? That almost made it to our season um, for this upcoming year. Mm -hmm. It's just too fresh, though. It's too fresh. So we were like, let's maybe do this next year. So I think that there are plays that are written for us and by us Mm -hmm. that addresses whatever you can think of whatever mm-hmm. you think interracial relationships i mean there i mean there's plays about everything written by black folk yep yep you know? absolutely stick fly mm-hmm. stick fly is a play about interracial relationships and like what, yep. what does that look like when you bring a white girl home <laughs> right <laughs> it's just who's coming to dinner that's all who it is yeah, it was written by a black woman so i'd rather do that then guess who's coming in it? You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So, and you know, the, yeah. one of the things that I definitely talked about was uh, the show Ragtime. Yes. And I, and I swear to God, I have a, I have a love-hate, love-hate relationship mm-hmm. for it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, it play it plays a lot on white saviorism. Yes, it does. And it ha- there's it, there's a lot of um lack of respectability for the actual message in the show. Mm-hmm. And a lot of theaters just don't get it. I saw two productions last year where see, that's what I'm talking about. They <laughs> like one month after each other where one theater had only 10 black people in they cast and one of them was a white girl that just happened to be extra tan mm-hmm. 
And then another theater that only had six Black people on their stage. And the theater that had the six Black people on their stage, they didn't even get enough rehearsal time. What do you mean? Exactly what I mean. They did not get enough rehearsal time. They didn't get as much rehearsal time as their white counterparts. What? Exactly. Exactly. And this is this is the garbage that I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, with a with a huge huge monsterly huge show like Ragtime, you have to have no less than 15 black folks in that show. 12 to 15. That's, that's, or don't that is, effing produce it. That too. That don't too. I had, it. I had it out with a fellow white actor from a community theater where he was just so entranced by the show. He was like, Oh, it's such a pretty show. And I, and he, he wanted to do it at the theater that he normally performs at. And I said, you can't do it at your theater because you only have three black people in rotation at your theater. So I don't know where you think you're, where you're going to be able to, when you're going to be able to do that show. And he tells me, well, if you bring it, they, if you, if you uh, bring them, if you bring it, they will come. No. <laughs> I told him absolutely not because that's not my job as an actor. Mm. Ooh, say it again. That is not <laughs> that is not my job as an actor to bring other actors into your that establishment. That's okay. The job. So let me ask you a question mm-hmm. because since since COVID and since all of these protests, there has been a large conversation going on around the country in the theater world calling mm-hmm. out theaters for this mm-hmm. very thing. Theater, the mm-hmm. theater world in general in this country being non-inclusive, yep. lazy, yep. unimaginative, mm-hmm. boring, I mean, just everything. Racist, microaggressions, <laughs> I mean, just... All the things, all the things. So my question to you is, so at what point, because this is what I struggle with, with, you know, wanting to work at other theaters. At what point do you protect yourself as a black artist and say, I ain't even going to subject myself to this? Or do we try and change it? I've already done that. Yeah. I I just, you know. And I've I've done that twice already. I was asked to read, uh, to do a, a Zoom read just recently. Just recently, and I the the story was described to me, and just based off of the story, I was just like, nope, it plays on white saviorism. I'm not doing it. Nope, sorry, can't do it. And it was a theater that took three weeks to post anything on their social media regarding Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and they just finished having a black show. Yep, that sounds familiar. So, <laughs> so I, I said no, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. And then, as far as like changing it from the inside, that's what my Black Actor Conference was for. Okay. To gather the Black actors that I was able to get in contact with and talk about the crap that we have gone through. Right. You know. And as I was telling you before, before we got on here, um, my friend Dan and I, we are actively working together right now to work with theaters on how to move themselves towards an anti-racist Michigan theater mm-hmm. because it's needed. I agree. I guess I'm, and I'm not, this is jacked up because I'm, I'm not a pessimist like in life. 
Um, I'm an I am. I'm, I'm 100% a pessimist. And I'm an optimist, <laughs> right? But I don't have a lot of faith in these institutions really changing. I think you, out of every institution, we may have like, I'm going to be generous. Let, let's be generous and say we may have a 10% return on that, that effort. Mm-hmm. Of all of them, you may have 10% that go, yep, let's do this. We're fully committed. Um, let's do the hard, because it's hard work. It's hard work to take your institution that has been around, you know, some of them almost a hundred years, mm-hmm. racist for your whole existence, and to turn and to fix it. That is hard, yeah. hard, hard work. And I'm sorry, I don't care. There are a lot of people that call themselves allies that are not because they don't want to do that hard work. They yeah. want to talk it, but they don't. But they can't really, walk they it. Can, they literally cannot bring, they can't bring themselves to do their, well, you just default all the time to, well, I, you know, we're just going to put it out there and we're going to put this, you know, uh, diversity statement on our audition notice. And it's, it, dude, why do you think that that's the only thing that you need to do to absolve yourself of, or, or to make yourself an anti-racist institution? A diversity yep. statement? Yep. That's not going to do it. You got to do the work. You got to find your black actors. I have this, I have this same issue with a, a another community theater that I'm nearby. They are literally right down the street from uh, two or two uh, black cities. You know, all you have to do is just get on that main road and just drive straight down to go to their community center and put something up saying that you're looking for black actors. It's not that far. You're literally only three miles away. So you mean to tell me that from a city and three miles away from your establishment, you cannot find black actors. Well, That's a bunch of crap. And I'm not here for it. I'm not here for that performative ally bull crap. I was just about to say performative. And, and I will even go farther than that. I will go farther than that and say say that the work is in the systems of your organization. Mm -hmm. If the systems of your organization from top, so from your board to your executive director, to your Mm -hmm. your staff, your creative staff and team, if there is not change from the very top, and I mean having everyone on board with being anti-racist, I mean having full representation from the top of the community, like of of the community, have yeah. diversity. There's going to be no change because black right. folk are not going to come out to audition if they don't feel safe in your space. Thank you. They are not, I don't give a fly and flip. If you do give out flyers down the street in the black community, they still not going to come. You know why? Because they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. They're not looking around when they get to that audition, when they go on your website, when they look at your past seasons, they're not going to see themselves. They're still not going to come audition. And then it's this whole like, this is where I get pissed. Because then it's this whole like, well, I mean, we tried and then they didn't come out. So, I mean, I don't know what you guys want us to do. (laughs) You're fake. That's that that's that's why you're fake. Like you went and put out Mm -hmm. you went and put out flyers, you think you did your job, you did a little diversity statement and all on the audition notice, and you think you did your job, and then when black folk don't come out, then you go, see, see, this is why. This is why. Mm -hmm. It's not a safe Mm -hmm. space, man. It's not. You think you patting yourself on the back thinking you're doing all this work. You feel like your institution is full of liberals. 
So we're all on the same <laughs> page, right? We're all on the same page of equality. Yes. Why you ain't got no black folk on staff? Right. Why you only have one or two black people on your board? Why is no one mm-hmm. in upper management? Or none. Or none. Why is no one in upper management? Why is your artistic director not black? Why is your executive director not black? Why do you mm-hmm. have nobody black on the creative team, but you want black folk to come to your institution and shuck and jive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said a whole mouthful. Get the F out of here. I'm mm-hmm. over it. I'm over it. I told you, I've been doing this 25 years. I have seen it all. And we're at a point in history. Y'all are either going to get it together or we are going to be excellent by ourselves. We we as a Black artist community need to stop asking for space and asking for a seat at the table. Stop. Yep. Stop. I don't need to be in your institution. Mm-hmm. F your institution. Because you keep, you keep displaying to me and to other Black artists in this community that you don't give a flying flip. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do the hard work. You want to do what's convenient. You want to do what's easy. Or you just want to completely ignore it. Why do I want to be in your institution and beg? I want to beg you. Can you please hire a black director? Can you please, you know, hire a black music director? Can you please produce more than, you know, one show by uh one show every 10 years by a black playwright? What I don't know. Bump that mess. No, we need to create mm-hmm. our own. We need to fund our own. We need to support our own because we have already demonstrated that we can do it and we can do it better mm-hmm. we can do it mm-hmm. so i'm not gonna sit up here and beg to be in your institution but that mess it's like an abusive yeah. relationship you study telling me i don't want you i don't want you i, I mean well i kind of do but not really or i'm not gonna call you for like six weeks and i'm just gonna pop up out of the blue it's that game plan that i feel is this abusive relationship that you know the the white the white theater scene has with black artists it's abusive mm-hmm. and it's damaging and it's trauma. Mm-hmm. It is trauma to us to come continue to be rejected, to continue to be ignored, to continue to be placated and pacified. That's abusive. Instead of us just going, okay, so me just not going to do this no more. I'm about to move out and I'm going to get my own place and I'm going to be on a self-care journey. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what it is. Like break up, sis. Yeah. Break up. We are broken up. Right. I'm straight. Y'all can have y'all stuff over there and figure yourselves out. Whether you want to be, you know, you trying to decide whether you want to be diverse or not. I'm not gonna sit around and wait for you mm-hmm. to decide if I belong. Right. No way. Right. Now, as a as a black woman theater owner in this white dominated industry, what obstacles and challenges have you faced because you're black and a woman? Mm-hmm. And how have you overcome them? That's a good question. So I I will say, I feel like all all your questions are great. So um, (laughs) definitely, definitely microaggressions. Mm -hmm. Definitely, you know, uh, as an actor being in a show and, you know, you don't know how to make up me. You don't have, you know how to costume me. You don't know what to do with my (sighs) hair. Ooh, ooh, man. You know, or being in a show where I should have been hired as the director, but y'all didn't want to do hmm. that. So what? Anyway, so there's that. 
or being offered and 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 I say offered and you can't see me but I'm putting offered in quotes. So mm-hmm. being offered to direct and I'm going to I'm going to preface this with I am thankful for every opportunity that I I have had as a director because of the fact that whatever whatever you direct it sharpens your skills as a director. So I'm a better director today for everything that I've ever directed. Okay, so I'm just going to put that out there. I do, however, feel like there needs to be some sort of awareness, especially if you are a primarily white institution and you're hiring a black director. I think there needs to be some awareness behind what you're asking that director to direct. Mm -hmm. And why I say that is because... I, maybe I don't always want to tell your story. Right. Why don't you ask me what I want to direct? Right. And I get it. And this is where I say it's kind of tricky because it's like, well, we want to give her an opportunity. We heard she's a great director and we don't want to put her in a box by saying that she only needs to direct a, a black show. I appreciate that. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. But I also don't want you to go out of your way to not have me direct a show that tells my stories mm-hmm. that I, I personally can relate to, that I would do my best work with. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, com- it's complicated. It is. Cause like I said, I appreciate the opportunities. I appreciate, you know, you not going, well, Oh, we're doing, we're doing the piano lesson. Let's ask Marissa to direct it. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I do think you need to be aware to not overtly go out of your way. If you had a choice between right. we have this show in the season and we have this show in the season, this show in the season based on, you know, do your homework, do your homework. So based on what Marissa normally directs and like what her wheelhouse is, her her passion, right? Mm-hmm. Based on what she directs, let's ask her to direct this show as opposed to this one. But we're going to have her direct this one over here that's not in her wheelhouse. It's not like anything she's ever directed before, but I'm going to ask her to direct this show because... I don't want to pigeonhole her into the black show. It's not pigeonholing. It's knowing knowing who I am. It's looking at my resume and going, mm-hmm. oh, this is what she does. So don't you want a director right. to direct what they do, right? Exactly. So yeah. that that's the, you know, there's been those kinds of challenges as well to where I'm just like, you. if you had a choice, you know, or ask me or ask me. I feel like I'm at that point in that in my career where, you know, you don't have to assign me a show. Ask me what I want to do. I've earned it, mm-hmm. you know, so treat me with the same level of professionalism that you would anyone else and ask me what I want to direct, mm-hmm. you know, just because you, you already have you more than likely you would already have in your mind of what show you've yeah. been dying to direct yourself. Yeah. I, and I pay my dues. Yeah. I pay my dues and I get mm-hmm. it. I mean, what, what happens here is that, you know, and I'm not gonna lie as a theater company, we do it too, where we choose our season and then we choose the director. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But why don't you go, Hey, here's our season. We'd really love to have you as a director in our season. What do you want to direct? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've earned that. Yep. You know, so just not, not being given the professional courtesy to, to do that, you know? Right. But again, I'm, I'm not even saying that in a ungrateful way or in a, I'm, I'm upset about it. Cause I'm not, it's just, it's, it's another layer of this is where we need to grow as a theater mm-hmm. community. We need to grow in that. You know, it, h- how much professional courtesy do we give our fellow Black actors and directors and producers and, and designers? How much courtesy do we mm-hmm. give them? 
do we give them the same courtesy as we give everybody else? Right. You know, so it's just asking, asking for that. So I've, I've had challenges with that. Um, I, I would probably say also, you know, the, the overarching challenge is just not even being considered, not even, <laughs> not even, not, I'm not even on your effing radar. You know who I am. You know where to find me. You know what I've mm-hmm. done. And I'm not even given the professional effing courtesy for a phone call. Right. That. Yeah. That's the big. That's the biggest thing. That right. Right. There. Now, let let me ask you this because I have I have this starred on on my document to make sure to ask you this, and it was something that I um that was constantly explored in my Black Actor Conference series. So as one out of the three Black female identifying theater founders and artistic directors, the others being Sam White of Shakespeare in Detroit, which is an equity union theater, and Ladine Lewis of Detroit Lighthouse Community Theater, which is a 501c3 community theater, you know very well how racist uh, Michigan theater can be. So, so how do you think Michigan theater can move forward towards being anti-racist? Like I was saying earlier, um, really pick apart your institution, pick it apart. Yeah. And it, that's, that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. Anti-racist work is painful. I think people have this, this idea in their heads that I don't know what they think. I really, really don't. But you're, you're mm-hmm. literally deprogramming yourself. That's painful. Yeah. Right? Anyone that's ever been to therapy knows that don't feel good. Change right. doesn't feel good at first. Mm-hmm. Right? It takes sacrifice. You're going to cry about it. You're going to scream about it. You know, there's going to be arguments. There, it's, it's hard, painful work at first. And then you get on the other side of that and you have something great. And you have something special. And you have something that is representative of the community and is not creating trauma mm-hmm. for Black people artists and other artists of color. Um, So, you know, you have to start that work from the top. You have Mm -hmm. to examine your board. You have to handpick those people. You have to do a a strategic plan with becoming an anti-racist institution as the main goal and give yourself five years to do it because it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But do the work do the work Mm -hmm. and for real and that's why i mentioned a strategic plan i have sat on many many boards i know how this works that's why i said do it for real not performative Mm -hmm. hire a black consultant to help you develop Mm -hmm. the strategic plan and consult you through that mofo (laughs) to go hey here's our organization we're gonna pay you to help make this an anti-racist organization. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that consultant is going to go, okay, so we need to fire everybody and start over. <laughs> I guarantee it. Because here's the thing with racism. You are either actively engaged or you're standing by watching it happen and not saying anything. And that's not right either. Mm-hmm. That's not right either. Mm-hmm. So... You got to start at the Because your silence your is loud. Your silence is violence, okay? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you need a consultant who is black and you need <laughs> to pay them to walk yep. you through a five-year strategic plan to get it together. There is no mm-hmm. other way to do it. I'm sorry. There's not. There's no shortcuts. Right. 
There's no, well, could we just like hire like three more people on staff of color and um, produce like one more black show than we normally do? Nope. No, not to be an anti-racist institution. No. Right. No. Nope. That's not how that works. Right. That's not, I'm sorry. Yep. Your whole institution needs to change. The whole way your policies, your procedures, the whole way you do business needs to change. And the reason why I say everybody needs to go is because it will be easier to rehire who you need than to try and try and do what you need to do with the per- current people that you have. Mm-hmm. Yep. And tell them to do something outside of their comfort zone and to do it mm-hmm. because you know, they're going to be, well, we tried, we tried that, or we just did it, right? That's why you need to start right. over. You need yeah. to start fresh with the intent then, that you're hiring anti-racists. Yep. And then especially with these boards, these boards of these theaters are comprised of older generations. <laughs> so they're really stuck and set in their ways exactly. and they are not budging. Yeah. They will. They will they, fight they you will in every church. Yep. What do you mean anti-racist? Yep. What's anti-racist? It's just a new trendy. Blah, 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 blah. Go. You need to go. Bye. Right. You need to go. Here's your retirement papers. The work Thank you for is your not. Service. It's not going to be done with the same old, same old. I'm sorry. It's not. You need mm-hmm. a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, a different, different identifying sexualities, and and you need you need a truly diverse board and staff yep. and creative team to accomplish it or it's not going mm-hmm. to get done mm-hmm. and we're just all like you said earlier it's just performative it's just well we, we want to but how, what, what's an easy way for us to do this <laughs> you know uh just be mindful that you know your little efforts are not enough to make you an anti-racist institution. Mm-hmm. Little small efforts are not enough. You have to yep. do it. If you're going to do it, you have to do it for real. And I know that's going to be scary for a lot of people because what you're talking about is giving up power. Mm-hmm. You're talking about giving it up and you've had it, like I said, for some of these theaters for almost 100 years. Yeah, You've had power and you're, you're going to have pushback. I mean, Michigan is not really the most progressive state. <laughs> that That's why I just, again, I'm not a pessimist, but when it comes to this kind of stuff, I am. If right. we were, if we were somewhere else, if we were in, um, I don't know, if we were on a coast or, you know what I'm saying? If we were somewhere where I was like, okay, we might have a little, you might have more people here to have some sense, right? And that are willing mm-hmm. to sacrifice their subscriber base and to start over with a new subscriber base. That mm-hmm. I just don't think we have that here i don't because who yeah. you have to look across the landscape of michigan theater who who is the sub- subscriber base? yeah people don't want to piss off their subscribers they don't want to hurt their they don't want to hurt their pocket i mean if we really mm. want to be real we want to be real real that's the reason why there's not equity in michigan theater because people yeah. people don't want to piss off their subscriber base i have been told that specifically about some stuff here well we didn't feel comfortable producing that or our board didn't want to produce that i'm sorry why because they're too they're too concerned about their donor base exactly. and their audiences exactly your current your you know, current and, donor base and your current audience and that was one thing that we talked about too was that you know when you start making making the moves and in, into making your theater anti-racist you're gonna lose mm-hmm. your don't some of your donors mm-hmm. and some of your audience members mm-hmm. and to that 
that's good because if they're not comfortable enough to see diversity on their stage and to see the anti-racist work that the theater is doing, then they don't deserve to be in your theater or a part of it. But you don't really believe that. So that's why y'all not really committed to this work. Right. That's real talk. So how do you keep, how do you keep your uh, mental health in check and keep yourself performance ready? So my family keeps me very stable. You know, I have three kids, um, 11, six and eight months. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh, yep. So I would say my family, cause you know, you can't be crazy when, when you got three little kids looking at you. I mean, right. you could, but that wouldn't be productive. So I can honestly <laughs> say, I, and I'm saying this, I'm saying this because I, you know, before I became a mom, I did struggle a lot with um, uh, anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and coming from, you know, uh, evangelical Christian background, you know, therapy was not a thing. So mm-hmm. I can honestly say that, you know, becoming a mom is what gave me the motivation when I had my daughter, she, the 11 year old, she gave me the motivation to, to get my mental health together. Cause I was like, I'm not hmm. going to pass my stuff on to you. I'm not going to do it. So, you right. know, I started therapy, I, you know, meditating and just all the things, all the things. And then, right. you know, also realizing how to use my art to work through the stuff too, in a healthy way. So it was a combination of all those things. And none of that has changed. None of that has changed. You know, you you learn and you grow not only as a person, but I've le- learned and I've grown as a parent. And so, you know, continuing with like my own mental health and self-care, because what we're doing is hard. It's hard work. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. It is fulfilling and awesome, but it can take a toll. It can take a toll. Like how how many uh, people continue, people of color continue in this work for long periods of time? Not a lot of us. Not a lot of us because it's hard and it it can be painful. It can be extremely stressful. And like I was saying earlier, the constant rejection, um, the constant, you know, ignoring people acting like you don't exist Right. You don't have the same opportunities as your white colleagues that can take a toll. And so um, I was just telling um, a young lady this the other day, taught, you know, she's in college now and encouraging her about this profession. And I said, you know, self-care for you is going to be paramount. And I also said, you know, um, you're going to have to find a way to take all of the no's that you're going to get as a black woman, take all of the no's and turn them into your own yeses, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's why I'm still doing this after 25 years. Right. Is, is because I was like, Oh, you told me, no, that's cool. Um, I'm going, I'm going to go over here and do my thing over here. That's fine. You don't want me. That's cool. So, yeah, I think, you know, just just knowing to take care of yourself, be find any whatever, you know, for me, it's my family, but find something that can stabilize you outside of theater, outside of the art. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and to understand that 
you know, you, you will have tough moments, you will have rejection. Um, but how, how to flip it, flip it. It's all about your mindset. Mm -hmm. I like that answer. And I can't, I, and shoot, he's not listening to me, but I also can't neglect to give a shout out to my husband because he has been my ride or die. He, he's, he's the reason why I was a lot, uh, able to like go back to school and get my gosh darn degree and have, you know, mm -hmm. all these nights where I wasn't home because I was in rehearsal and or performing <laughs> um, and he's home with the babies, right? And still, still, I mean, that's still, I mean, I'm a wonderful partner. I can't, I can't ignore that. I can't deny that. I would not have been able to accomplish all the stuff that I've accomplished in the past 10 years, you know, without a great partner. So that, that has also been probably the key to my success. And he's a very, you know, he's a Capricorn. So we're the complete opposite. <laughs> Wait, what's what's the opposite to the Capricorn? I'm an Aries. I'm crazy. I'm I'm like <laughs> fire all day. It just like I'm just woo! I know I'm a lot. I know I am, and I and I embrace that. In my 37 years of life, I know it. I know, and you know, you throw in there like you know, being from South Central, so I got a little bit of like edge too poor guy like I love him so much but he is a stabilizing force in my life he is stabilizing so that like when mm -hmm. I'm just running around town literally literally at one point in my marriage I was in undergrad we had two kids and I was acting in a show directing in a show around and around town in another show direct i i had three shows going at one time we were mm. newly married and he's sitting here looking at me like sis what <laughs> are we doing okay so i am thankful for him because i would not I, if i didn't have a supportive partner there's there's no way i would still be doing this there's, there's no way mm -hmm. as a mom, I have right. a full-time job too. There's, there's no way mm. that without my partner that I, I would continue, I would be able to do this work. I would have never started the theater company. Um, I, I just wouldn't have, I just wouldn't mm -hmm. have. So I think that has been, right. um, extremely key to being able to do what I'm passionate about. Darn it. So what advice do you have for aspiring actors and, and theater leaders? Of color? <laughs> Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's different. Yep. That's different advice. Uh, um, right. Of color, of women, yes. of black women. Yeah, I'm going to speak to black women right now because, you know, we have a very unique, our challenge is different. You know, mm -hmm. if you even look at the landscape of black theater and look at the roles, where are the roles for us? You know, so for black women, I say, and I'm, I'm not going to say black women, I would say black female presenting people. Mm -hmm. Do not be discouraged by what the world is telling you and, and specifically what the theater world is telling you you are or you are not. And honestly, do your thing. Do your, find a way, find a way. Like you, you're doing this podcast. Find a way to do your thing and do not wait for anyone to give you an opportunity because, you know, it's not going to come. It's not going to come. So whatever your mm -hmm. thing is, if it's costume design, if it's performance, uh, if it's scenic design, if it's stage management, 
Work yo stuff, sis. Work whatever. Work work it. We have all been taught how to work it, right? Mm -hmm. So do what you need to do to get where you need to go without compromising who you are, without compromising your talent, and without compromising. I. I <laughs> I would just say without compromise because I don't feel like we need to assimilate to be successful. Mm -hmm. Do not. Don't feel pressured. Exactly. Don't feel pressured to. If you're in a situation and you feel like, okay, so in order to move up here, I need to be this way or I need to act like I'm okay with this or that, you know, you need to re-examine your priorities and maybe you don't need to be in that space. Right. So my last question for you and I ask all my guests this, and it's called the Queen's Request. Okay. So I would like for you to suggest to me one or two Black Michigan women, women identifying people, women presenting people, artists, so that can be of any genre, that can be music or dance or burlesque or drag, whatever, that we should be keeping an eye out for. So uh, one person is Asia Mark. Asia Mark is in the Detroit area now, but Asia went to Western and is currently a performer with Universes Theater, but also I know, I think she's done some stuff with Detroit Shakespeare. But if you wanna talk okay. about like a multi-talented, multi-faceted artist, cause she sings, she dances, and she's a, like oh, just extremely talented actor. Asia is just the whole package and then some, and I really think she's gonna do some, some great things. One of my one of my founding company members, her name is uh, Tanisha Pyron. Also, you know, just a phenomenal, um, multi-talented artist. Um, I believe uh, Tanisha's still in Kalamazoo with me, but Tanisha has always been the the creative. I don't know what the term is, but it's her her mind, the way that she sees the work. She sees it because she's also a photographer, like a phenomenal photographer. She's an artist in her own regard in that way as well. She sees pictures. She sees images with her work. And so as an actor and as a director, you know, her work just blows your mind. Because you're like, where, where did you, how did you come, how did you come up with, you know, she's just, she's so talented. So freaking talented. So her name is Tanisha Pyron. And the last person I will lift up is, there's so many people, I want to lift up everybody. The last person I will lift up is um, Janae Travis, who also is a founding company member of Faceoff Theater. She's currently in Ohio, receiving her master's in fine arts degree. But Janae, same thing with Tanisha, actually all three of these, these ladies, um, you know, at Western... <laughs> Western is a phenomenal, has a phenomenal theater department. So I'm, I'm not at all speaking disparagingly of, uh, disparagingly of Western, but just, I would say higher education in general um, can be very difficult for Black women. And mm -hmm. how we all responded to the difficulty uh, was A, to work together um, and B, <laughs> to just kick ass. And Janae was my first introduction to Western theater because she directed me in a show. And I was, I don't know how many years Janae's senior I am, but I'm, I'm much older than Janae. Um, and Janae had me in rehearsals like, oh, oh, okay. Like <laughs> she, 
She knows she knows her art. She knows her craft. And then she also knows how to pull it out of other people and inspire others, especially other Black women to like do this. She is an extremely powerful motivational speaker. She's evolved recently into like a, a spoken word artist as well. She's a powerhouse. That's the only way I know how to describe her is power. Mm. She's a powerhouse. So Janae Travis is definitely another person that, you know, everyone should be keeping their eye on because she's she's going to do great things. <laughs> she's going to do really, really great things. All three of them. And every single person in my company, like I'm just, I'm very fortunate. I'm very, very fortunate to work with like the best, the best. They're all, we all, you know, we all crush on each other. Like, oh my God, you're the best. Mm -hmm. I get to work with the best. And that just happens to be you and you're my friend. (laughs) Every single last one of them. So I just encourage people, you know, to just go to our website and check out or our Facebook page and just check out who's in the company and and who who our founding members are. Because we have been graced with some powerful talented women yeah well go ahead go ahead and, and promote the the website and your social media what's what are the handles for absolutely. it absolutely so our website is faceofftheater.com and our our handle is just you know um if you're on instagram it's at faceofftheater and we spell theater with an r-e um and facebook if you just you know search faceofftheater company you'll find us we're all over the place because that's how we sell tickets we don't have like a traditional like you know, marketing and ticket system. We're we're kind of grassroots in that way, so we're we're all over social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would right. say just check us out and check out the work that we're doing, and remember that you know we are all black female presenting people, and just showing showing that is freaking possible. It's possible. Exactly. It's possible. Well, I had so much fun with you today. Oh my god, I could talk to you forever. It was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I'm so, this made my day. Yeah, I, I appreciate you you talking with me for like an hour and 38 minutes. I told you I needed a break from the baby. So this was great. <laughs> to come down here. Yeah, my family knows to leave me alone. I was like, oh, mommy's on a call. You know, so I can go downstairs in the basement and be uninterrupted. But it was a very nice break. Thank you. So I appreciated the break. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out to to talk with me because I, I I've been wanting to talk with you for a while now. So if you know of any black women theater performers that's further up north, mm-hmm. let me know. Up north where? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I could ask around, but I don't know. <laughs> up north? Us? I mean, I'm being I'm, this, this. Normally, I'm a pessimist, but I'm being, you know, positive that there's got to be at least one of us. Somebody up gotta there. be. Somebody gotta be up there. I don't know anybody listening. You know anybody up north? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's that's a whole another. That's a whole other world up there. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. But thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find Black Queens On Stage podcast and Black Literature and Art Queens Network at blackqueensonstage.com and blaqn.org. Follow me on Instagram at blaqn show Michigan, on Facebook at blaq show Michigan, and on Twitter at blaqnmi. 
You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time. Thank you.